The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good morning, everybody. So today we're doing independent learning skills again. Finally, I was on a hiatus because of illness. Um, but we're back after convention now, and today we're going to be out in the garden. So the format for this call, as usual, is going to be three different topics and then little subtopics in the, in, in, within those topics. And then we'll take questions in between the different topics. Today, in, for the garden, our main topics are orientation and mobility, identifying your plants, and managing the garden. Um, so we'll get started. For orientation and mobility, the most important thing to remember is your planning of your layout. So within your garden space, you should look at what you have available. If you have an eight by eight area, if you have a 10 by 15, whatever the space you have, um, consider what kind of layout you want. And there are two main layout types that most people use. There is square foot gardening and row gardening. So row gardening is usually used for in ground, um, although you can do it with pots, of course. Um, not usually used in raised beds because there really isn't, raised beds don't usually have enough room to do full rows. Um, but row gardening would be having one row or several rows only for a particular plant. And then the next row over might be something completely different. So you might have three rows of corn and then two rows of tomatoes and then a row of cucumbers and then a row of squash. Um, so, and then square foot gardening would be having one area, usually a square rectangular shape that is for that particular plant type. So you might have, um, a square that is just tomatoes and you know you might have several squares of just tomatoes and then you have a square that is just squash um and then you might have a square that is just your cucumbers um, within those squares you could have other plants called companion plants but the primary plant in that square foot would be your um tomatoes your squash or your cucumber whatever that primary plant that you want in that square foot would be so there are a couple of things to remember for orientational mobility, um, whether you're using in-ground um, raised beds or pots, lay them out in a particular way and stick to it. So if you want to do rows, whether that's in-ground or with pots, um, like I said, raised beds, not so easy to do rows, um, put everything in rows. Don't do some with square foot and some with rows. It'll get confusing for you. Um, so you might have a row of your corn. And so you have three rows of corn because corn, you want lots of it in order to get the right amount for pollination and such. And then, you know, then you skip over and you have a row that is just your squash. Well, don't then go to a square foot of bell peppers because that'll just confuse you. Um, you know, if you have a square foot of bell peppers and a square foot of zucchini, 
in the rest is in rows, you're going to be like, wait, why is this not in a row? Uh, you might forget that. And then um, the same for square foot. Don't do a row of uh, zucchini and then the rest of the gardens in square foot because it's just going to get confusing over time. Um, there are some things that can work. For example, edging your garden in a particular plant that helps with pests, uh, like marigolds or uh, lavender, for example. Those smelly plants can be really good for deterring pests. Um, if you do that with all of your gardens or you have a particular one, just make sure you know that, that those particular ones have that edging and then you know that plant's there. Um, there's a couple of things that can help with getting around the garden. Whatever type of gardening you do, um, especially in ground or raised beds with pots, you're probably going to be putting that on a porch so you don't have to worry about it as much. Um, but with in ground and raised beds, you want to make sure that you have a clear path and you want that path to be at least two feet from where you think the plants will extend, not the edge of the garden, not the edge of the raised bed. For example, if you have a watermelon plant in a raised bed, you want to consider if a watermelon grows on the outside of my raised bed, if that vine grows over, how far out is it going to extend? Because you might end up with a watermelon walking your entire path. And then how are you going to get around that? So you got to keep that in mind. So, you know, with a watermelon plant or a squash plant, or, you know, especially those ones that grow in, like vine-like or bushy, consider how much you think that's going to expand. So if you have something that's going to expand a lot, you might want to give it an extra foot of room. Um, and then consider the texture of the ground on your path, especially if you're in ground. Um, if the texture is no different, you're likely to just step on a plant. I've done that. I stepped on a cilantro plant. Luckily, cilantro likes to be um, abused a little bit. It actually likes that. Um, but I stepped on a rosemary plant and killed it because I didn't have a proper path. So now my paths have um, gravel on them. So with my cane, I can tell the difference between the packed dirt and the gravel. Um, I also have the path edged in larger stones, um, not like in a straight row, but often enough every foot or so, so that I can tell, you know, if I'm walking along and I'm not sure if I'm staying on the path, I can look for those larger stones to tell me, yes, you're still on the path. That's the edge of the path. Um, so I don't end up stepping on the plants. If you are doing raised beds, you want to make sure that your raised bed is tall enough that you're not going to trip on it and fall over into the bed. Um, so that depends on how tall you are, but typically you want it to be at least as tall as your knees because you're not likely to trip over something that hits you above your knees. Um, but it also depends on what your balance is like, you know, what, what works for you. Um, so keep that in mind also. Um, in ground, one of the techniques that I've seen a lot for row gardening is to take a couple of posts or sticks and run a rope between them on one side of the row. So that as you're walking along the row, you don't have to worry about where exactly your path is. You just follow the rope 
And then you know your plants are going to be right where that rope is. Um, with raised beds, you don't have to worry as much about that because the bed is going to be your barrier. You're not going to end up stepping on your plants. Um, with pots, the smaller pots should be raised if you're worried about stepping on them or kicking them over. So that's usually done on a railing, uh, like in a window pot box or on a table or bench, um, just somewhere that it's raised up. Um, you know, even you could do it on like a stool. Uh, just, you know, make sure it's a nice and sturdy stool, not something you're going to easily kick over. The larger pots like you would use for a tree or for a, um, a large bush, you're not likely to kick those over. Once the plant's really in there, the dirt will keep it from knocking over usually. Um, and they're pretty obvious when you hit it with your cane, it's going to be pretty obvious. The smaller pots, it's not as, as obvious. You, you might just completely miss it with your cane. Um, so that's the basics of orientation and mobility for your garden. Um, and I'm happy to take questions on that. And we'll go ahead and turn to that. Harvey, do we have any hands raised? At the moment, we do not. I was giving everybody up. Oh, yes, we do. I, okay. yep. Um, hold on. No, I take that back. It was just somebody who was unmuted, so. Oh, now we do have a raised hand. Uh, Abraham. Um, is there certain plants that uh, maybe prefer to be, uh, to be in a certain uh, either row or what did you call it? Square? Oh, row or square foot? Um, yeah, yes. Yes and no. Most plants do just fine in rows or square foot. Um, I find there are some plants that don't do well in square foot because it just gets kind of chaotic. Grapevines would be one of those. Grapevines are on trellises and trellises don't do well on, in square foot because you can't reach in the middle. Um, corn would be another one of those because it's just too hard to reach the middle of the corn stalks to get the corn off the, you know, off once they've grown up. Um, so those are usually better in rows. Um, there are some plants that do better in square foot, um, but they're usually the uh, ground cover type plants. Like uh, moss roses are one example of that. Moss roses are great ground cover, very pretty. They look like tiny little roses. Um, but, you know, I don't think that would do well in a row. They like to just take over the entire area that they're planted in. Um, but most plants will do fine in a uh, square foot gardening or a row. Thank you. And I think I'll mention here, it's square foot because you want to, um, you don't want it to be so large that you can't reach all the way across it. So like raised beds or in ground, you want to make sure that you can reach all the way across your raised beds. Um, for most people, that is about a foot. Um, if you can't reach the other side of your um, square foot, if you're, you know, you're, you're square or rectangle, you're going to want to make sure that you can, you're going to have to adjust that somehow so that you can reach that because 
if you can't reach the middle, you can't weed it. You can't pick it. You, you know, you can't tend to those plants in the middle. So. Another tip that I'd mention is to put your larger plants in the spot that's the hardest to reach. So for example, if you're in, in the ground, the hardest place to reach is going to be on the backside near a wall. Um, but if it's tall, it'll be easier to get to. Um, and also it won't block your smaller plants. Um, if you're in a raised bed, the, lar the larger plants should go towards the center um, so that the smaller plants aren't blocked out and also it's easier to reach them. Do we have any other questions? At the moment, we do not. So um, another thing to mention about the path is if you are planning to use a wheelbarrow. Oh, we do have a raised sure, hand now. Okay, let me, yeah, I'm going to finish this sentence. Okay, sounds Make good. sure your wheelbarrow can get between your raised beds or your, um, on your path in your garden. There's not much point in having a wheelbarrow if you have to go to the other side of the garden just to use it. So what, who's our raised hand? Deborah. Hi, Deborah. Deborah, you are muted. Make sure you've hit that got a button. I'm on the ninth floor. There you go. Uh, can I grow uh, uh, plants on the ninth floor without water going down below? Um, so there's different ways to keep water from going. Like you can use trays and stuff. Um, but you could also, you know, you could grow things inside your apartment. It doesn't have to be on the balcony. Um, if you have a cover for your ground, like, um, a, tra a big tray, like cafeteria trays for smaller pots, um, work great. Um, you can get really big trays that are great for, um, water prevention, um, and then you maybe wanted to put a tarp underneath that just in case. Um, but you can grow inside it just as easily as outside um, if you're worried about that at all. Um, window cells are a great place to put plants also. Um, you can also get window boxes. So, yeah, you can definitely grow on a ninth floor without worrying about water going on somebody else's balcony. All right. And we currently do not have any other raised hands. Okay. Um, another tip for gardeners who want to use pots is put your pots, if, especially if you're going to move them around, keep your pots near some other landmark, a wall, a um, piece of furniture, a fence, a pillar. Um, it'll make it easier for you to find them because if your pots are out in the open and you can't see them, you're likely to just trip right over them. So keep them close to a landmark. Even if that landmark is the edge of your garden, that can work really well. So if there are no other questions at the moment, I'll go on to the next topic, which is identifying plants. So, oh. Nope, I'm double checking, oh, but I'm not seeing okay. any raised hands. Okay. So for identifying labels, there's two ways to do it. The first way is, of course, labeling. Um, if your plants are all labeled, then, of course, you know exactly what it is because it says so what it is. Um, paper labels with Braille on them work great 
inside. Um, you will need to remove them when you water the plant, um, but they can work. Um, Dymo tape on a um, on a uh, piece of cardboard or cardstock, and then attached to a popsicle stick with a rubber band or twist tie is the quickest way to label something um, that I've found. You know, you could use just a piece of paper and and put a hole punch through it and attach it to a popsicle stick with a twist tire uh, um, rubber band also. Um, the labels used for cans that already have the rubber bands on them can be useful because obviously they've already got the rubber band. So you can attach one of the rubber band pieces um, or if it's one that has a loop instead of two rubber bands, you can attach that to the popsicle stick and that's your label. Um, do note that those are usually not weatherproof and uh, rainproof, you know, so waterproof, weatherproof. So those are not going to be good outside usually. Um, for outside gardens, the things that I've seen that work are copper labels. Um, if you get the thin copper labels, you can put Braille on them. Um, I, I think aluminum labels work also. Um, but I, I found that copper holds the braille much better and aluminum can get sharp, whereas copper is not as likely to get sharp. So, you know, if you're touching braille and it cuts you, that's not a good idea. So copper, copper labels to put braille on can be very useful. If you don't want to mess with braille or you don't know braille, there are audio labels that you can get. Um, any label that is um, good on clothing will be waterproof. Um, not always weatherproof, um, but usually they are um, temperature resistant. So like if you're washing a shirt in hot water, that label is going to be okay. Um, so if you find clothing labels and you use those on, you know, attach them to a popsicle stick or a stake or a cage for tomatoes, you know, whatever you're using, then those are usually weatherproof. You might want to check with the company before you put them on there just to make sure they're going to work, but usually they will. Uh, if you want a label that you know for sure is completely water and weatherproof, Wayround has um, these um, labels with barcodes on them that you would scan with the Wayround app. They're um, they're not really audio labels because it scans it with the app and then it brings you to a text screen um, that you can put as many text fields as you want on that label. So that label could have not only the name of your plant, but also when it needs to be watered, what fertilizer you use on it, what time of year it's, you're going to be harvesting it, um, when to propagate as much information as you want. You could add every little bit of detail that you want to it. And then when you scan it, the first thing you see is, your, is the name of the plant. Maybe that's all you want, but you have all your notes there as well. Um, this is especially good to take your notes over time because you're going to learn new things. Oh, this type of tomato really likes a little bit of shade or this tomato doesn't do well unless it's in full shade or not full shade, full sun. Tomatoes don't do it in full shade at all. Uh, but there are some tomatoes that prefer a little bit of shade for a couple, you know, for a, a little of a part of the afternoon. Um, 
so you know those wave round labels do cost about a dollar a piece um i've seen them as much as two dollars and depending on your package you could get them down a little bit but those are completely reusable so if you have a label and you no longer have a zucchini plant you can clear it out in the app and use it for your cucumbers instead um you know, so it is completely reusable and they are meant to last a long time. So if you get a pack of 20 and you have 10 plants, you have more for later and you can reuse the 10 that you were using if you have different plants that, you know, no, no longer have those plants that you used before. Um, so unlike real labels, you could reuse them over and over. Um, these are also good around the house. Um, I've heard some people use them um, for various things I've heard of somebody using them for tagging their cattle, um, so that they can identify each cow, um, separately. So they are completely waterproof, weatherproof, um, and there's different ones, but, um, you know, the basic one is the one you're going to want that is weatherproof. Um, so look for that. You can get those on Amazon. The Wayround uh, website, uh, I believe that's wayround.com. Um, and um, you can also get them through some of the um, vendors, like I believe LSNS has them. I'm not certain of that, but I know Amazon has them and they have the website. You're going to get a better deal if you go to the website. Amazon, there's a little charge up, you know, for fees and such. Um so, so if you don't want to use wave round and you don't want to use braille, um, other methods you could do are the, similar to what you would do for clothing. You could do a safety pin with beads on it, different types and numbers to identify the different plants and that put that um, safety pin on a string and then to tie that to your plant or in a cage or to a popsicle stick or a stake and stick it in the ground. Um, note that if the, if the label is close to the ground, it's likely to get dirty because there's dirt there and the rain will, will kind of knock that dirt around it and it'll get on the label. Um, and so you want to make sure that it's something you can clean off. Um, and note that a safety pin, for example, is going to rust over time. If you use it for one year, it's not going to rust usually within that year. But over many years, it will eventually rust and you know be you won't be able to open it. So for some, that's not a problem. For others, that might be a big issue. Um, so another thing that you can do is to make sure you know which plants are in which area. So with rows, that's pretty simple. This row, I have one label for the row and all cucumbers. So you know if it doesn't look like a cucumber, and you should always look over your plants and observe what they look like, then I pull it because it's not a cucumber. I don't care what it is, it could be a tomato plant that's growing in with the cucumbers. If it's not in the, if it's in the cucumber row, it doesn't go. You know, it doesn't go in the row. Um, so that makes it pretty easy because most plants, once you get to know them, you can identify them by their types. That's not always the case. For example, um, our lemon balm has some winter creeper among it. However, winter creeper does not have the lemony smell of the lemon balm. So observing with all your scents is important. Um, 
Now, if I go into the spearmint area, I've got a square foot for spearmint and I pick a leaf and it doesn't smell minty. Well, I know that plant goes because that's not spearmint. So same with square foot as with rose. If you have specific plants in one area, then you know if it's not one of those plants, it doesn't belong. So if I have tomatoes and basil in one area, which I do, because uh, basil is a really good tomato companion plant, then if it's not short, bushy with small leaves that smell really basily, you know, there's a very obvious smell to basil, very fragrant, and it's not tall, vine-like, and smells tomatoey because tomato also has a very strong scent to it, um, like an earthy smell, and it doesn't have tomatoes on it, then it's not a tomato, it's not a basil, it goes. Um, it might be grass, it might be spearmint from the, you know, square foot over, it doesn't belong in this area, because it's not one of the plants I want in there. Um, so, you know, organizing your garden this way makes it easier to identify what stays, what goes. Um, so, uh, let me look at this, sorry. <laughs> So the other thing to do is to observe. Um, if you know what plants are in your garden, you can look at them, observe the leaf type, the leaf texture, the stalk type and texture, um, what, what vegetables or fruits grow on it? What does the flower look like? Um, smell it, what does it smell like? Uh, you know, use all your senses. Um, probably don't want to taste random plants, but use your other senses and, you know, get to know your plants. And then you can tell this is definitely a tomato plant. This is definitely a cucumber plant. Um, and then you can know this area is this and this area is that and may not even need labels. Um, right now, I don't have labels in my garden, but I know tomatoes are here. The basil's next to it. Bell peppers on the other side. They're, the only thing with that is cilantro. And, you know, I can identify all the plants. So there's no need for labels. Um, and that will kind of lead us into managing. But I'm going to pause to see if there's any questions on identification and uh, labeling. Herbie, do we have any hands raised? At the moment, we do not. Okay. Um, another thing to mention is if you're not sure what a plant is, take a picture of it or take a sample of it, like a couple leaves on a stalk, and show it to somebody. Um, you can put it on Facebook. You could put it on a website, um, like a forum. You could put it on Instagram or Twitter, whatever, you know, whatever social media and ask people, what is this plant? Um, there's lots of people who are help, happy to help identify. Um, or you could send it to a friend or family member and go, do you know which plant this is? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's the blackberries that we planted last year. And then, you know, that's the blackberries. You should leave that alone. Or, you know, if it's a wild blackberry, you may not want it. Um, 
you know, and then, you know, it's better safe than sorry. Once a plant's out of the ground, once you've ripped it out, it's probably not going to be good to go back and put it back in. You may not even know where it is. Like pulling a plant out of the ground is traumatic to the plant. So best to leave it if you don't know and ask somebody later. Um, Just mark where it is or take a picture and ask them. And then you can go back to it and pull it if it is in fact a weed. So then the final topic for today is going to be plant management, garden management. Um, And this will depend on what type of garden you have, whether it's in-ground, raised beds, or pots. However, the most important thing is definitely planning and layout. Um, If you have five different plants in a small area, it's going to be a lot harder to manage those plants, especially if they have different needs. So if you have sunflowers next to marigolds, your sunflowers need totally different care than marigolds. And so you're going to have a lot of confusion unless those are, um, unless you know exactly what's in there. Um, So it is good to organize your plants by um, the management type. So, um, you know, if you have, like I said, sunflowers and marigolds, you may not want to put them together because the soil that those need is completely different. The um, the care for those plants is going to be completely different. So you may want to put your marigolds in with chrysanthemums, which are very similar in care. Um, so, you know, you might want to do that instead. Um, whereas you might want to consider companion planting. Um, so I mentioned earlier the basil, my basil plants are companions to my tomato plants. Cilantro is a good bell pepper companion plant. Uh, rosemary and thyme go to get well together. Rosemary and um, tomatoes also go together. A lot of the basic herbs actually are really good for tomatoes. Uh, rosemary, thyme, basil, cilantro, those uh, dill is another one that's very, very good with tomatoes, I think. Um, they seem to do well together. Um, part of that is that the fragrance of the herb deters the pests from the tomatoes. Tomatoes have a lot of pests that will come after them. Um, in fact, like we recently had to deal with the tomato hornworm situation. Um, I think it was not quite as bad as last year because we also had the herbs in there that kind of deterred them a little bit. Um, So think about your companion plants um, and research. So if you've never planted a tomato plant before, and I just keep saying tomato because that's a very basic uh, beginner plant. It really is pretty easy to, to grow tomatoes, depending on the type. But if you've never grown a tomato plant before, do your research, Um, look up, okay, I've got Roma tomatoes. What kind of care do they need? What should I be looking for? Do they have suckers, which are the uh, little growths in between the uh, offshoots that take up nutrients and don't do anything. So they're not gonna grow leaves. They're not gonna grow flowers. Why should they be there? Just pinch them off. Um, But you don't know that if you don't, if you've never grown a tomato plant, you don't research research, you know, how deep to grow, to bury that 
plant. Um, tomato plants, for example, you should, you know, when you get a tomato plant um, as a starter, you need to pull off some of the, you need to pinch off some of the bottom um, shoots so that you can bury it deeper because all those offshoots that you pinch off then will produce roots and you want your roots, you know, you want sturdy roots for your tomato plants. Um, but you're not going to know that if you don't research it. Um, whereas you, irises need to be really shallow. Um, so we have some irises. And I didn't know that and I didn't research it. So I buried them deeper like a tulip and they weren't happy. So I had to replant them, just causing more work. Um, so, you know, some great places to look just do an internet search. You can find some cool stuff. Um, your A lady actually has a lot of information. If you ask her, how do I plant cucumber? You know, she actually has some good information. Uh, she might say, you know, cucumber grows best from seeds and they should be planted three to four inches deep. I don't know. I don't remember cucumbers, but, you know, that's just an example. Um you can also ask for things like propagation. So if you have a bunch of basil and you need to um, trim a bunch of it, you may want to propagate it so that you have more basil plants. So propagating is usually taking off cuttings, trimming off the bottom shoots, and then putting it in water for a couple of weeks to help it grow roots, and then planting that to make new babies. Um, you know, so the A lady can tell you that stuff. Um, you can also research it online. Um, there's a lot of good information out there. Um, there are some good books out there. There are definitely some good books on Bard and Bookshare. Um, for companion planting, I especially like Roses Love Garlic and Carrots Love, Carrots Love, uh, shoot, I forgot what the carrots love. Um, but there's, there's two books on companion planting that Bard has, Bookshare has. The first one's Roses Love Garlic. Um, and there are many other books. There's uh, The New Square Foot Gardening. That's a book on Bard. Um, there are lots of guides on gardening. There's one on accessible gardening for people with physical disabilities. Um, that's available on Bard. It's a really good book. Um, it'll talk a lot about raised beds and um, proper paths, especially for people in wheelchairs, um, about potted plants, all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, but do your research, you know, really look into it and decide what layout works for you and what plants work for you. If you know you're not going to have time to go out there and trim the tomatoes every day or whatever, you know, you may not want to get the plant that needs to be trimmed every day. Um, you may want to get, um, you know, a cucumber plant that doesn't need to be cared for every day um, or daikon radishes. Daikon radishes are one of those plants you just plant, come back in 30 days and it's, they've grown. You really don't do anything to them. Um, so you may consider, you know, how much time do I have for this? Um, some things that are very important is checking your garden every day. Spend a little time in your garden every day, whatever type of garden you have, whether it's pots or raised beds or in the ground, check on them every day, observe the changes, weed them, look for, you know, new fruits or vegetables growing, look for flowers, look for 
leaves with bite marks or, you know, vegetables with bite marks, observe what's going on with your plant every day. Uh, rain, shine, what, you know, whatever type of weather you've got, go out there and look at it every day because it's going to change every day and you want to keep up to date with that. So um, one, one thing that helps a lot of people with their garden, um, especially for weeds, is to put mulch over their plants. Um, that can cut down on the weeds a lot and also help with water retention um, because um, the mulch will kind of suffocate the weeds underneath. And also mulch is really good for holding water. Just keep in mind that you want to water the soil underneath before you put the mulch down because otherwise your water is going to be dry. The mulch is going to hold the water and it's not going to go into the ground. Um, knowing how to water your plants is also very important. So look into, you know, what kind of watering does this plant need? Um, some plants, you water the leaves, it's not going to get to the ground underneath because the leaves are so broad, it just holds the, um, holds the water. So you may have to water the ground and not the plant itself. Um, for a young fruit tree, you might learn that, hey, you know, when they're really young, it should be one inch beyond the um, the cover. So if you look at a fruit tree and it's covering two inches of the ground with its, with its shadow, you're gonna wanna water one, one inch beyond that. Um, that's really only useful for young fruit trees. Once they get really big, then you know those roots are all over the place. And so it's, you know, it's gonna change. Um, but learning that stuff is very important. Um, so, you know, keep an eye on the time of the year. So we can't plant garlic right now because garlic is best planted in the autumn. If we planted garlic now, it wouldn't grow, it'd be wasted. So we wrote down, hey, we want to plant garlic in the autumn. Remind yourself of those, um, you know, set reminders or write lots of notes that you check all the time. Um, you know, if you want to plant onions, onions are not planted in the summer. Those are spring plants. So, you know, don't, don't, um, plan for something that isn't going to work out. You're just going to waste your seed or your starter, um, and just make lots of notes on that. Um, write down lots of notes that say, you know, garlic in the autumn, um, tomatoes in the spring, you know, get them in the ground right after the last frost, stuff like that. Um, as you are growing things, take copious notes, lots and lots of notes. If you notice that a tomato plant is doing better than another plant, make notes about why that one's different. You know, if you notice that the one that's doing well is more in the shade or it's more in the sun, make notes about that. If you notice that um, you know, the tomatoes that have basil are doing better than the tomatoes with the rosemary. Make notes of that. Learn from what's working, what's not working, and make changes each year based on that. So that's what I've got for management. Um, I would mention most counties have what's called a um, shoot. 
uh, okay, what it's called now. Um, there's an office specifically for helping with uh, gardening and livestock. Uh, somebody knows the name of it, please jump in. Um, if you look around, most counties have an office that is specifically for helping gardeners and farmers and people who just want to, you know, have a couple of chickens in their backyard. Um, these offices can also do soil testing. Um, so if you have, you know, you have soil that you're not sure if it has the right nutrients for your blueberry plants, blueberries need a very acidic um, soil. You might want to get it tested to see how acidic it is and then change the soil accordingly. So adding some kind of chemicals to balance it out. Um, whereas, you know, some plants do better in a alkaline soil, um, others do well in a very neutral soil, you know, so testing your soil before planting is part of the process. Um, and you might want to look into that. Um, So that's what I've got for management. Um, does anybody have questions on management or anything related to the garden? As a matter of fact, yes, Jill has her hand raised. Hi, Jill. Hi, Jill. Um, I agree. It's a matter of trial and error with stuff because last spring I planted my herbs in the ground and then the mint took over the whole, <laughs> the mint was so invasive that yeah. uh, everything was mint. And I'm like, this is where that was supposed to be. So then yeah. um, this spring I put containers on my back deck and I put everything in a separate container and that seemed to help so much as far as just being able to know what is supposed to be where and um, uh, keeping it more it, con contained. And that's where research also comes in handy because a lot mm -hmm. of people will tell you any kind of mint plant is just going to take over. Peppermint, mm -hmm. spearmint, uh, lemon balm, apple mint, all of those are just going to take over everything. Um, and that's what we have with the lemon balm. We didn't plant it, but we have to prune it very often because it does take over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. so, and then I put it by my deck, which happens to be the room next to my kitchen, so I find that it's working better because I use it more as well because it's it's more easy to get to where outside is like on the side of the house. So I found it um, to help with that where it's just so easy to just grab. And then I have a basket out there and I have the little cut clippers mm -hmm. and um, my gloves and the watering thing all in one basket. So um, that's been working great. And I'm glad you reminded me about, um, autumn for the garlic, because I want to try to grow garlic and ginger. Mm -hmm. So if you have any tips for that, I would love to hear about, I've never grown either of those. And, um, it's something that I wanted to grow and use. 
So um, that's my I question. If you have any tips for that. Yeah, I don't know a huge amount about ginger. I've never grown it. I do know since it's a root, you don't want to put it with another root. So, you know, you want to keep your garlic and ginger definitely completely separate. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, garlic would also change the flavor of your ginger, which is kind of weird, but it would. Um, but also garlic <laughs> is one of those ones that you don't do, need to do a whole lot for it. Um, you don't need to prune it. You don't need to... Um, you know, you don't need to check it very often. It'll grow up on its own. Just keep watering it. Mm -hmm. um, and then over the winter, just leave it alone. It'll just, you know, it'll do its thing. Yeah. Um, do you think it's better to one. let it complete? Do you think it's better to dry, let it dry out before watering or constantly keep it? Oh, moist? no. You want to water it before it's dried out. Definitely. Oh, okay. Drying out the soil stresses the plant. So definitely oh, okay. if there is, if it's, you know, if you feel the soil and beneath the surface a couple of inches, it's getting dry, definitely mm -hmm. water it. Okay. Um, you want to keep it as moist as you can um, mm -hmm. without like obviously being like mud. Right. Yeah. So you definitely want to be proactive about that. Um, every time the soil dries out, the water, is, uh, the plant is stressed mm -hmm. and that leads to issues. So, yeah. And it is fun to propagate. So if anyone yeah. hasn't done that, I love like keeping clear jars of um, mm -hmm. water with different just uh, um, if I hold it up to the light, I could see enough to see like all the white roots growing. So it's kind mm -hmm. of fun to watch and see. I've actually got the... some basil and thyme basil um, on my windowsill right now propagating. It's been in there about a week uh -huh. and it'll get, give it another week or so and it'll be ready to go into a starter pot. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of fun. Um, mm -hmm. You know, our basil is growing way too fast. So we just cut a bunch of it off, dried some of it and propagated some of it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I've been making some pesto because it's, uh, I've been getting a lot of basil now. So. Yeah, All right, I'll let someone else cool. uh, want to take over. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Marsha, you are up next. Hey, Marsha. Hey, I just wanted to share that I'm in Florida, and I have in the front, there's a hill with a couple trees, and it's very shaded. I tried to plant a lantana in there, and petunias and all different kinds of things and it all died and finally I transplanted fern from close to the mm. house and also aloe because aloe is good for burns that you can just cut it and use it on cuts and stuff and then mm -hmm. bromeliads and bromeliads all three of those grow in there and I don't have to do a thing and it's always green mm -hmm. it, you know and I don't have to water it or anything now, the bromeliads I have in the backyard also that has, it's kind of a ditch. So when we get too much rain, mm -hmm. it, it kind of stays in that ditch. It's not a deep ditch, but still it, it, it stays there. If we get a hurricane, it can come up to the back porch. But those oh. bromeliads don't care if it's <laughs> drought or flooded. They just live mm -hmm. on. They are so hardy. And the other thing is, is that I have, yeah. a, I have a compost thing and, and, and um, I, I was able to get horse manure to put in there. Jason 
uh, started not having leaves, so I couldn't, you know, combine it with that. But um, when it, it would go like a whole trash can full, and it ends up being about one eighth, and then I would put it in the garden, and I get volunteers from mm -hmm. that. And one of those is papaya. And I've had a couple huh. of papayas. And I also understand that it needs a male and a female, but I've not been able to tell which is which. But I have one in the front yard. We got two papayas off and a volunteer in the backyard. And um, huh. and they're very, they're, they're stock, you know, they are a tree, but they're very tender and you can't transplant those. The other thing mm -hmm. I found out you can't transplant is, you know, when you cut a pineapple off at the mm -hmm. top, you can stick that in there. And I think mm -hmm. it takes a couple of years to get a pineapple. I think that, yeah, about yeah. oh, the other thing I wanted to say to you, maybe you could have a class on herbs and where you use them. Well, um, I would mention there is an ACB call called um, ACB um, Home and Garden. Home garden agriculture. And they have done some on on herbs. Um, and uh, Hadley Gardening also has some good, really good calls. Um, you know, Hadley School for the Blind does calls on gardening, and they have talked about that. Um, this call is specifically for independent living skills, so it's not about um, the care of the plant so much as how to manage it and how to get around it and stuff. Um, so you know, that's where I would you know say. ACB Home Garden Agriculture or Hadley Growers is really good stuff. Um, and there are some really good YouTube channels I would mention. Um, yeah, I've been. Uh, Gardener Scott is a good one. What is it? And oh, the name of it? Um, the two that I listen to the most are Gardener Scott and Plant Abundance. Um, they're really good and they talk a lot about sustainable gardening and. Um, eco-friendly gardening especially and that's those are two things that I care about a lot the other thing you were looking for the name of the place that you call about your soil testing it ours is called the agriculture center uh oh I know what I was thinking the extension office that's what a lot of counties call it the extension office um that's it yeah so if you have an extension office which I think almost every county in the United States has one and in the UK, they have an agriculture office. Um, I think it's called the Agriculture Department. Um, and so they have an, have an equivalent also. Um, and also looking for your horticulturist in your area is really good too. And just so you um, know, you have 10 minutes. Thank you so much. Um, so do we have any other questions at this time? Thank you so much, Marcia. So, um, do we have any, No. okay. Do we have anybody who has any ideas of things they really want to talk about in the future? Um, different areas to talk about. I definitely want to do one specifically about, um, restaurants and, um, you know, getting around restaurants and working with menus independently. Um, and I thought about doing one on like your local library, um, but if there's any specific request, I'd love to hear those also. 
And you currently have no takers. Okay. And y'all are always welcome to email and me. And Jill with has request. just raised her oh. hand. Okay. Go ahead, Jill. Um, you know, I always like talking about crafts. So whatever, if you think that that would be um, a topic for maybe different accessible craft um, ideas or things of, um, yeah. Um, so that that's just something I, could, I wanted to throw out there for you to think I could about. Reach out to, yeah, I could reach out to um, Kayla and see if we could do something like jointly with the mm -hmm. ACB Crafters Division. I love yeah. them. Yeah, um, they always have really good stuff. And I know mm -hmm. lately we were talking about organization, so I could I could definitely talk to her and see if we can do something jointly with that. Mm -hmm. um, maybe talking about you know labeling your crafts and organizing them for better accessibility for your blindness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or just different tools that may be um, more accessible than others. Okay. Yeah, I could definitely look into that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay. So if you'll have any requests, suggestions, ideas, um, questions about this topic or other topics I've covered or that maybe I haven't covered yet, um, you are always welcome to email me independentlivingjewel at gmail.com. That is specifically for this call. Um, the only traffic to that is for this call. So you're welcome to write to me and I'll, you know, I'll do what I can. And, you know, I always looking for people who want to talk about a topic maybe I don't know about also. So if you want to, you know, co-facilitate, I'm open to that as well. That's all I have for gardening today, and I think we'll go ahead and close out soon. Um, do we have any other raised hands before we go ahead out? No, we do not. Do you want to repeat that address one more time? Sure. Independent living, like the calls, independent living skills, independent living, jewel, J-E-W-E-L at gmail.com. Independent living, jewel. All righty. I will look forward to seeing y'all next week. I'll go ahead and schedule that and we'll plan for it. All right, everybody have a great day and thank you for coming.